Who's ready for some baseball? Welcome back, BDLers, to episode 15 of The Stinger. It's been a month or so, probably two months, since my last episode, and a lot has happened since that time. Mainly, baseball is back. We'll be going over some of the new rules changes, or the, the CBA agreement that uh, was in place. And uh, then we'll get into BDL predictions for the season. Now, now some of this has already been covered in other podcasts, but it uh, doesn't hurt to hit on some of it again. So looking at this new uh, CBA agreement, the first thing we need to know is that it's only for the next five years. So in five years, hopefully we're not going through the same thing of uh, baseball stoppage. I think MLB really under needs, needs to understand that any type of stoppage is not good for them, right? So two years ago, probably because of reasons that they could not control, they had a shortened season because of COVID. And then to go another 90 days of uh, no baseball with cutting off some spring training games, again, that type of stuff does not help. Uh, your league and your audiences and your fan base. So another five years, hopefully they don't uh, have any stoppage and they can get everything worked out beforehand. And to me, kind of one of the frustrating thing is, is that you look over some of these rule changes and things that they put in place. And to me, nothing of it looks major to where they had to have the work stoppage uh, in place to begin with. I mean, most of the stuff seems pretty minor, uh, at least in my opinion. Um, and so I, I, I really don't understand uh, why we had any sort of lockout at all. But uh, moving on, let's just go over some of the things that uh, they have in place. First thing is that they expanded the playoffs. It's now going to be 12 teams uh, starting this year. Um, they are, will not have the wild card one game playoff anymore. And, uh, which, and also there will be no tiebreaker games. So if two teams tie at the end of the season, it's going to be based off some formula to determine who gets into the playoffs instead of having a play a tiebreaker game, and um, also no one game wild card game. So twelve teams into the playoffs. Not necessarily a huge fan of more teams in the playoffs. I think that kind of dilutes the regular season. Um, it should make the regular season meaningful, and so that not everybody gets into the playoffs. So hopefully they stop at 12 and they don't keep on extending it even more uh, beyond this. Some other rule changes, again, probably a big one. We've touched on it a lot in the forum already is that the universal designated hitter is now going to be used in both leagues. Again, I'm not a fan of uh, both leagues having DH. I didn't mind the AL having the DH, but I did always like the NL um, not having it uh, just for my own reasons. I think there's some, some, parts of the game that will now be taken away um, less strategy uh, it's just a different it's just a different game right and one thing I do uh, want to kind of touch on here is I do think baseball needs to be a little cautious um, about the direction that they go with with stuff like this is that they don't make the game one-dimensional um, right now I kind of see especially from a pitching side it's you know hey I just want the guy who can throw 100 miles an hour and I'm going to throw them just for as minimal innings that I can. And, that you know, every inning I throw at a new guy who can throw 100 miles an hour. And then on the hitting side, I'm just looking for guys who can hit home runs, right? So batting averages drop, 
strikeouts uh, increase. And, you know, it's just kind of a one-dimensional of here I'm going to have a, a pitcher who can throw 100 miles an hour and a hitter who can only hit home runs. Um, so you kind of want to maybe not uh, go down that path too much. So um, I th- hopefully maybe some of these other rule changes I was looking at that maybe they're trying to increase um, some batting averages. Um, we'll touch on that in a little bit. But, uh, again, just my point of view, it, it just seems like it's – almost kind of like a, they're turning it into a video game thing where it's just, hey, home runs or everything and and nothing else really matters. But anyways, we'll move on from that. Uh, one other rule change thing that's kind of interesting is that there's going to be a six-member uh, group that uh, can come up with players throughout – or come up with rules throughout the season. And if uh, the, these six members agree with it – and I think it's like one pitcher and an umpire – and then um, the rest of them are positional players that uh, that can come up with a, a rule that they have uh, 45 days that they can get that approved and it will go into place. A couple rules that will be going into effect, not this year, but in 2023, is that they are going to do the larger bases. So they'll go from 15 inches to 18 inches. I saw this in the Arizona Fall League. Again, unless you're really looking for it, you're, you don't really notice the difference. Um, and again, it's probably more from a safety standpoint, you know, that, uh, that the runners uh, can slide into a little bit easier and maybe not, uh, more collisions at first base or something like that. So, uh, but not very noticeable. Um, they are going to implement the pitch clock, uh, right now it's probably going to be at 14 seconds. Uh, there's kind of still up in the air if there's a runner on first base that it might increase to 19 seconds. Again, I've seen this a lot in the Arizona Fall League. It does keep a good pace uh, to the game. Uh, one thing that used to always drive me nuts was, uh, especially with some of the hitters that would you know, kind of do their little routine in the, outside the batter's box, uh, no more Garcia Parra was the, the one I, I could not stand watching hit every time. You take five minutes uh, between every pitch, um, and then you get some of the pitchers. More, It's more the relief pitchers who I see – would go through a regular routine behind the mound, the breathing routine and all that before they threw a pitch. Uh, so this definitely will speed that up a little bit and get, keeps a good pace to the game um, to where they have to, to throw the pitch within so many uh, seconds. will be interesting to see how the major leagues adapt to that. And then another big one here, <clears throat> which is going to be a band on the uh, defensive shifts. So teams must have two infielders on each side of second base. Again, they implemented this in the AFL uh, this year. I kind of go back and forth on it. One, I hate I hate the defensive shift to begin with, but I don't think you should have to have put a ban in place in order for it not to, uh, you know, not not to have it be effective. Right, hitters should be able to hit the other side of the field. Uh, so I, they apparently they can't. So now they're going to put this rule into place to where you got to keep two infielders on each side. This, is, I see, will increase now probably your batting average a little bit. And so that kind of goes into the my DH uh, rant uh, a little bit earlier about your batting average is dropping because everybody's just trying to hit a home run. Uh, but this should improve your batting average and balls and plays a little bit more. Let's move on here a little bit. We got uh, the minimum salaries increasing. You know, uh, you know, it's really hard to live off of half a million dollars a year. So now the minimum is... $700,000 a year. So, you know, that's uh, the minimum. The minimum wages, is, that, was, that was probably a tough one for them to get over. 
the minor league minimum wage is also increased, and this is probably a better thing than the major league one. Uh, so, But this only affects the players that are on the 40-man roster. So when they say minor league minimum salaries have increased, this will only affect the guys who are on the 40-man roster. And essentially their salaries will double. Um, so if you look at 2022, a first-year player um, is now going to be making... Uh, who made $57,000 a year next year will make like $114,000 a year. So um, I th it looks like it to me like it doubled. And again, this is just for the guys who are on the 40 man roster. If you're not on the 40 man roster, well, that you did, you got maybe a little bit of a bump, but it's not that much. And kind of looking at their pay scale, uh, a rookie for 23 weeks makes less than $10,000 High A, low A, they make just over $10,000. Double A, uh, they make about uh, less than $15,000. Triple A makes less than $15,000. I think that's for a 23-week period. So they don't really make a whole lot of money in that uh, if you're not on that 40-man roster. There was something about uh, the arbitration bonuses. So um, you get some bonuses uh, if you do some special things. I think the pool is like $50 million per season. They're going to be able to divide it up against 100 players. And again, I think it's based on performance so that you can earn some extra money going into your pre-arbitration bonuses. And an example here would be an MVP or Cy Young winner who would get a bonus of $2.5 million. Uh, maybe the second place guy gets $1.5 million. So there, there's some things there. Uh, the service time manipulation has changed, uh, so, so this should stop the owners from keeping the guys who are ready to play in the majors, keeping them down for a month or two to manipulate their service time. Uh, so if they, if the top players are in rookie of the year voting or in um, Cy Young voting, I think they get some some extra picks or something like that. So. A little bit uh, better there, so we can get to see some of these guys up sooner instead of having them sit down. This is uh, the next. There's uh, some competitive balance taxes, and again, I'm not going to get into that uh, too much. Uh, the international draft is going to change. It's not going to change this year. I think it's going to go into effect next year, where they're going to do a 20 round international draft. I know the some of the international players uh, who are aware of this were not happy about this because. They see that big signing bonus that they used to get when they were 16 year old as a big deal for them. Of course, it was. You know, so this might change some of that, and they think it might hurt the international market a little bit now by going to the draft. But we'll see how that that goes. But I, I do think it's better. I think not all teams uh, currently have uh, very good access to get some minor league international players. Uh, so this might ha help that they, they go through a draft and each team can just draft people. So for the regular season, the their normal amateur draft is now going to be the worst-paced team. Doesn't necessarily get the first pick. There's going to be a lottery. I'm not necessarily a big fan of the lottery. I don't think this is really going to help teams from tanking. I think teams are still going to tank. And really this probably helps them because... They probably don't want that first-round pick because it's going to cost them more money in the long haul. So now they can get the sixth pick or the eighth pick and it costs them less money. And uh, what was also interesting is the minute the CBA agreement went into effect and free agency started again, all the low-end teams 
started dumping all their players and so they're they're obviously this has not done anything to help reduce the tanking of teams um, there is some revenue sharing stuff some more pension stuff uh, nothing really major there um, some other things kind of be interesting here that not a fan of is that uh, teams or clubs can now have sponsor patches um, on their uniforms and on their helmet decals. Again, I don't really need to see um, advertising on the helmets and on the jerseys, so hopefully they don't – too many players don't uh, do that, but uh, I, I really don't need to see the advertisement stuff. I think that's probably the, the main things. There might be a few other things I missed, but those are the main things. And again, I think baseball really needs to understand who their salary or who their fan base really is and uh, try to make the fan base happy. I, w- I was thinking the other day, you know, uh, with a lot of these rules, you know, when the new CBA came out, and I think, you know, again, on another podcast, uh, we we're talking about how to make baseball better or, or how could you make baseball better. And that uh, football, NFL, has a pretty good TV um, game going on. And, you know, the MLB, it's a little bit different. Um, so I was kind of thinking of some things that would change to make the, the TV MLB experience better uh, for other people. Um, one thing that I, I thought of, and it happens on some channels or on some games, but it's having that the strike zone uh, show up on the on the screen, and you can see whether the ball was a a strike or a ball. I think that would help a lot. That that should be a mandatory thing on all games that you see that strike zone. Um, that really helps people to see, hey, why wasn't that a, a called a strike or why was that a ball? Especially for people who don't understand the game. Um, I've had my kids several times ask, hey, how come that's not called a strike or a ball? And, Trying to explain to them what the strike zone is um, could be a little bit difficult. So when they see that, that might help out. Um, I definitely think that they should always have the radar gun um, displayed of how fast the pitch is. But they should also be telling you what that pitch was. Again, I think that would help a lot. If you see a curveball coming in at you know, it's a different speed than the fastball and they told you, hey, that's a curveball or that's a slider, that was a changeup. So I think that would be very beneficial for the game. And, you know, any type of stat type stuff that they could throw up on the screen, you know, they, they kind of do it They a little bit. They kind of have them hidden. It's kind of in small print. But, you know, show what the guys uh, did the last few times up at the plate or show his uh, his hot zone in the strike zone of where he, you know, crushes the ball and where he's kind of weak at it um, and, you know, his batting average on different counts and stuff like that. So because I do think baseball – and a lot of the fans who are into it are kind of statistic-driven. They like to see those stats. Um, so I think if you display them more and then uh, display what a strike is and what isn't, uh, I think that would help. I think one other thing that would be pretty cool, I don't know if they'd be able to do it, but there because there's a lot of downtime between pitches, if you could show the release of the pitch from the pitcher of how he's how his grip is and how he's – you know, uh, how he's releasing the ball, you know, spinning it or, or, you know, how he's gripping it. I think that would be interesting also to see that, um, you know, instead of looking at fans or just looking at somebody nod at the next pitch coming and going, um, to actually, you know, have a little little second there or two where you kind of see 
his grip and and his release point to see to see how he's throwing it. I think that would be helpful, especially for the young people to see. Okay, this is how you throw a, a slider. This is how you throw a change up, uh, especially like a circle change, something like that. So that might be entertaining. And then other things that you could probably throw in there is, and I think there are some channels that do it um, where they kind of show you know how hard the ball was hit or the how fast the guy was running you know, or or the the angles that they took to the the play uh, in the outfield uh, some of that would be interesting also so if anybody else has any other ideas you can throw it out on the forum so i think that's going to cover it enough from uh, the CBA rule changes and actually i think there's one other thing i want to point out here um i i don't know if it's happening this year again i kind of heard it on a spring training game about the uh, the the pitch helper, um, I can't think of the right words that they're using, but it's basically the electrical device that uh, the coaches in the dugout can send to the pitcher and the catcher and the players and tell them what pitch to throw. I think that's I don't know if it's coming this year or if it's coming next year, but it's definitely being more talked about. That is one other thing that Major League Baseball might you know kind of be careful on is you know everything being driven by a electronic device you know um, you have electronic strike zone you have some electronic telling you what pitch to throw you have some electronic telling you where to where you should stand in the outfield or the infield you know you kind of get away from some of the human decisions yeah i would be a, a little careful a little careful with that all right let's move on to Let's move on to the our BDL uh, season that we have coming up. I think we're you know about a week and a half away from the regular season starting. Um, I know again this has already kind of been talked about uh, through other method, through other ways in the forum by either the Vegas odds or other people making their predictions on what's going to happen with each of these teams. So I'm just going to throw mine out here also. Um, let's start with the East. Um, of course, we had the returning champions for the last two years, the Rockland Rockets. Again, he's probably going to be the best team in the East. He's one of the favorites to win it all again this year. So we'll we'll leave him in the number one spot there. The only thing I'm going to say for all the rest of the 15 teams that are out there, you should all be making sure that the Rockets do not win this championship again, right? It should be 15 against one. You do not want the Rockets to repeat. Nothing against Mike and the Rockets. You don't want any team in this league to to three-peat uh, championship uh, wins, right? So we, everybody should be gunning for the Rockets. Uh, the second team in the East is really a coin flip. Um, I'm going to go with the Boston Double Downs. I really like what he's done in the offseason. Um, so I think he's probably going to be in second place there. And, uh, again, a playoff team for sure. And he's one of the few teams I think has a real shot at winning the championship this year. I think there's only four teams that have a good shot at winning the championship um, coming into the season. Uh, Double Dance is one of them. And so um, he'll come in second. The next team is the Carolina Cardinals. They're definitely going to be a playoff team. Uh, I think they're making a lot of the right moves. Uh, Matt's always competitive. And, again, I think he's also one of the teams that has a shot at uh, winning this all i think if, i think he needs to make a few more roster moves and a few things that go his way uh, for a lot to happen but but matt is definitely one of our top 
contenders every year. So I said only four teams have a chance at winning the playoffs this year or winning the championship this year, and three of them are coming from the East. So one of these teams in the East is going to probably win it all. Um, there's one other team. It was a team from last year also that has a good shot at it. Um, so the rest of you all have some work to do to compete with these four. But anyways, coming in last place in the East, uh, we have the Disposable Heroes of Orion. This is Bill's team. And, of course, this is definitely by design. Uh, Bill's already stated that he's in a rebuild for the first time in his whole career. I think, again, I think he's gone 15 years or something like that uh, where he's had a playoff run. So this is going to be new for Bill. He's going to be rebuilding. He should not be making the playoffs this year. Uh, the real question here is how patient is Bill and how long is this rebuild going to take? And I'm going to get back to Bill in a little bit when I come up to another team who's also rebuilding. And so just uh, put a little marker here that we're going to come back to the disposable heroes. Uh, the next team, the next league's next league we'll look at here is in the South. You know, I got, I got a coin flip here for the first place team. I think we've been talking about the South way too much this off season. And so we all know the Memphis chicks and the Port with small OBs are the only two teams that can really win this division. And it's just going to come down to a few things of which one wins it. Uh, chicks team, uh, has made, Giant strides this year to make his team competitive. It's a little bit older. Does have some injury risk uh, with a lot of his players. Not too crazy about the pitching staff. Um, so he does have some question marks there. Um, the only question marks I have with the Wallabies is uh, is the effort that he puts into it. I think if the Wallabies are engaged all year and are making transactions, uh, he should be winning it. But uh, I – but I don't think that that's going to necessarily happen. I think uh, Brent's going to do what Brent does, and he'll set his weekly lineup, and he'll half-ass pay attention, and so he'll probably come a second. So I'm going to go with Memphis Chicks uh, winning this division just because I think he's going to be more active and making more changes on the fly and just hope that he doesn't get hit uh, too hard with the injury bug of everybody going down at once or for long periods of time. Uh, so I'm going to have Memphis Chicks uh, making the playoffs for the first time. Uh and that he's been the owner and probably I think it's just the second time ever that this organization's uh, made the playoffs. So with that being said, if uh, the chicks does make the playoffs, he should be the uh, outright winner of the mark of excellence award. So, uh, so in second place, we got the Portsmouth Wallabies. And then in third place, we're going to go with the Chula Vista Vipers. He's uh, definitely in a rebuilding uh, let's see how long that takes. Um, I would definitely say, uh, I know you got a plan, um, but sometimes you got to adjust your plans to make yourself competitive uh, sooner than later. Uh, shouldn't take uh, five years or 10 years to be competitive. So hopefully we're not on that type of time scale. Uh, then then last place um, and probably the last place team in the whole league, we're going to have the Gotham City Generals. Um, again, this is by design. Scotty decided that his team was too old and, uh, maybe just also just wanted to challenge himself and do something different. Uh, so he's destroyed his team and now he's in a rebuild mode. He definitely has set himself up with some young prospects, but, uh, prospects are prospects and you just never know what they really are. Um, so, um, we'll see what happens here. So, but what I do want to say, I'm going to come back now to both these teams, the generals and the disposable heroes. This is just another little note for the league. You have two teams who, uh, you know, Disposable Heroes for sure has dominated this league for several years, uh, winning multiple championships, always in the playoffs. 
Gotham City Journals has multiple championships. Most of the times in the playoffs, if, if he's not in the playoffs, it was usually by design because uh, he was tinkering around with his team. But both these teams have now sold off and are not playoff teams and are rebuilding. The rest of the league should take note that, hey, you know what, let's make this painful for these two guys and keep them in the bottom of the league for a long time. Don't make it easy for them to do a rebuild and become competitive real fast, right? So it's kind of a, hey, you put yourself in this hole, we're going to keep you in the hole. So I, I would make that challenge out there for the rest of the owners to keep these two at the uh, at the bottom of the barrel for a long time and, and say, hey, it shouldn't be easy for you to just uh, rebuild your team and be competitive in two or three years. You know, let's let's try to turn you into what the cars have done, right, and make them the next make make them the cars for the next ten years. So uh, moving, uh, let's move on to the North Division, where we got the uh, winning the division. I have the Malibu Bay Beers. Um, I think uh, I think this is pretty. This is Chris's division to 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 lose. He should win this. I think fairly easily. Coming in second, uh, we got the Mukton Mounties. Again, the Mounties team, to me, is a very interesting team. This is really going to rely on three players, those three pitchers, DeGrom, Syndergaard, and Verlander. If those three pitchers pitch uh, well and for a majority of the season, he's going to easily be the second-place team and be pushing the beers for that uh, for that division. Um, if those three pitchers do not pitch a majority of the season, then he will not make the playoffs unless he makes some major changes. Um, so it's, it's going to be an interesting year for the Mounties. Um, I do have him going into the playoffs uh, and being second place because uh, I, I do think that those three pitchers will be fine this year. Uh, coming in third place, we got the Killer Cars of Anaheim. Um, and then fourth place, we got the Amish uh, Brotherhood, the Awatuki Amish Brotherhood. And I've said this several times about both um, Johnny's and Joe's teams. They really just need to get the word rebuild out of their heads. They just need to figure out how to push and be competitive and stop tinkering around um, with trying to make this perfect, uh, young, uh, major league team that's going to be you know, 15 years of dominance, um, which is what I think they're trying to do. I, mean, I think they're trying to get these 22 to 24-year-olds uh, in every single position, and so that for the next 10 to 15 years, that team can dominate. So I, I, they just need to get get out of that mode and just switch gears and say, we're going to be competitive now. We're not doing this rebuild crap anymore. And let uh, let the gins and, and the heroes now take their place as can't get out of the, the basement of, of a rebuild. And then lastly, uh, we got the West Division. Uh, Crawford Cramps is going to run away with this division. He's the last team that I see has a, a legit shot at winning the championship team uh, this year. Brian has made a few changes during the season, I think, to improve his pitching staff, which is good. And but I, but, and I, and I see him being in in the uh, in the championship game. And then we got the uh, Kill Devil Hills Elevation. He's uh he's always competitive. He's always making the playoffs, uh, or it's not a rebuild type guy. So I think he will always tinker his team to make sure that he makes the playoffs. And then uh, coming next, we got the Grayview Lions, who of course they're in, uh, they're doing their rebuild thing. 
Uh, it's kind of the same thing with the Vipers. Just, you know, let's not make this a five or a ten year rebuild. Let's hopefully we can turn this thing around very quickly. And then lastly, we got the Wrigley Will Wrigleyville Woo uh, coming in last place in this division. Um, I think this year will be an interesting one for the Woo. Um, I think he's got a lot of players that are on the cusp of coming up. Hopefully those players contribute and are who we think they are as good prospects. Um, and then I think more next year, I would think he should be uh, more competitive. Um, but I don't necessarily see him making a push for the playoffs at all this year. And again, also, I don't think uh, John's going to put much effort into making it a playoff team this year anyway. So he's he's kind of like a, a little bit of a Brent where I'm going to set my lineup once a week. Um, I'm happy with coming in last place so I can get uh, that early round draft pick. So that pretty much uh, wraps up the divisions. Again, I look uh, going into the championship game. Um, I'm going to have the Boston Double Downs and the Crawford Cramps going into that championship game. And I'm going to give the Boston Double Downs right now the uh, winning the championship. So, And then uh, we'll have the, and as I said earlier, we'll have the Memphis Chicks winning the Mark of Excellence Award. Uh, so that pretty much wraps that up, guys. I uh, hope that was somewhat entertaining for you. And uh, we'll catch you again sometime. All right. Bye.